0: When I was a kid growing up in church, we used to go to Sunday school. Remember that, you heard of that? If you grew up in church, in the South especially, you're familiar, even if you're new to church, you probably are aware of something called Sunday school. And as a little kid in Sunday school, they used to teach us the Bible stories, especially from the Old Testament, using a very, back then, high-tech piece of equipment. And isn't it interesting that every generation thinks they're high-tech until the next generation re- reveals, oh, no, y'all, y'all were low-tech. So this was high-tech stuff back then. It's something called flannel graph. Flannel graph. If you don't know anything about flannel graph, let me describe it to you, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a big piece of flannel that is the landscape of the story, kind of like the scenescape of the story, a piece of felt-like flannel, and they put it on an easel, and all the kids are gathered around, and then all of the characters of the story and all of the trees and the bushes and the fish and all this kind of stuff are also made out of that same material, and they stick onto it, and then you can tell the story moving the pieces around, you know, kind of thing. And if you're a little kid back, back in the 70s and the 80s, And you got flannel graph. You were enthralled. I mean, the stories came to life. You talk about interactive. Wow, amazing. And you can still buy that stuff. I almost bought a set and brought it up here, except I wouldn't actually be able to teach. I would just be playing with it the whole time, which might have been kind of fun. But um, just imagine flannel graph. These stories that we're talking about in this legendary series have, if I could borrow the word, evolved from flannel graph in my lifetime. Now they've been made into movies, and you go back a little bit further, veggie tales. Remember that? All those veggie tales were these kind of stories that have come to life. Yeah, these stories are stories that have become cultural idioms, reference points, Um, ancient literature has studied these stories. These stories have become unfortunate uh, fuel for misguided skeptics. I mean, everybody likes to talk about these stories and everybody's got an opinion on what these stories were about and the details and all that kind of stuff. And so we're going to dive into these stories in this series called Legendary because it's through these stories we see some of the highlights of God's journey on earth with people. People like you and me. These stories are not just about what happened in the past. These stories have everything to do with how we need to look at life in the present. Some of you are going to discover these stories for the very first time. I'm excited for you. Others of you are going to rediscover these stories, hopefully in a whole new light. And maybe along the way, hopefully along the way, you're going to learn something, not just about stories. More importantly, you're going to learn something that God wants you to see and know about yourself. So I'm going to begin with the very first story in our series, which is the very first big story in the Bible, in the Old Testament legendary story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, and specifically in the Garden of Eden, that moment where we find the first recorded sin and the interaction around that and the experience and what happened around that. Now, if you're going, wait a second, time out a second, time out. Didn't we just talk about sin like for a whole series? Didn't we just do a whole series on sin? If you're like, you know, uh, new to the summit, we just did. And if you're the first time back since the pandemic, we just did. We just don't laugh. There's some people. And, and so anyway, and we're glad you're here. We just did a whole series on sin, a whole whole series where we talked about sin and how to understand sin, and that's very much by design, that we would do that entire series and then start this series with the story of Adam and Eve, and here's why. That series about sin that we just finished helped prep us for what we're going to see today at the very beginning of this legendary series, because we're going to do a deep dive into the moment and we're not really going to talk about it as much as we're going to see what happened to Adam and Eve and what they did and hopefully see ourselves in this because their story is our story. The story of Adam and Eve is not a story about just what happened back then only The story of Adam and Eve is actually a story about what happens still, now, over and over and over and over and over again in my life, in your life, in our lives. Their story is our story. It's a story about what happens inside of us still. So let's begin. Story of Adam and Eve. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth and the animals and man and woman. And you know what God said? You know what God's conclusion was after he had made everything that he had made? And I don't know how he did it all. We're still learning more and more about how God created the world and how God created the universe. And there's so much to discover. And we get into the how and all of that another time. I just hope he recorded it so we can watch it back one day. I think that'll be kind of fun. Y'all watch this, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, hit play. You know, put, the, put the VCR in, Peter. And then he puts it in and hits play because there's a big, big VCR in heaven, we all know. Anyway, we don't know how exactly how God did it all, but we know he did it. And God created the heavens, the earth, the animals, man and woman, and his conclusion was it is all good. It is all good. This is so important. Because this is the core OS, the core operating system of everything that God made, including human beings. Deep down at the core, deep down at its very beginning in the core, underneath all the layers of all the junk and the gunk and everything else is, he said, it's all good. This is important for two reasons. Number one, it's important because we're going to come back to this at the end. This is just the beginning. But number two, it's important because you need to know that's how God created us. That's how God created you. That's how God created the universe. It's good. Now, it didn't stay good, and it still doesn't stay good. But it's very important to you to understand that was the original intent, the original design, and deep, deep, deep down, the, the core operating system of you, of me, is good. It may be hard to find, it may be hard to see, but it's there. And we should get better at learning to call that out of each other. And that's so important because I know the theology, I know all of that kind of stuff and that basically just says you're all a bunch of just dirty, low-down, rotten, you suck. Basically, that's the message that we get, is that humanity is evil and awful and look at you and you're terrible and you're terrible and you're terrible and good luck. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I could get into those arguments with you, but I won't because you'll be wrong. Basically, we're going to look at what God said. God created it all, and it's good. Unfortunately, it didn't stay that way. And it still doesn't stay that way. So we're going to talk about that process and do a deep dive into that moment and what happens. And we're going to discover something about ourselves because, again, their story is our story. God created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Have babies, have kids. Fill the earth. What a great what a great vision that is. A great purpose for life. And he gave them one rule. One rule. Can you imagine? Only one rule. Can you imagine being a teenager and only having one rule? Wow. Yeah. One rule. God told Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Notice God started with what they could do. This is good. God's not a downer. God's not a killjoy. joy Here. Here's what you can do. Look what they can do. You can freely eat, you are free to eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden. That's a lot of fruit. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of yes. But there's one rule. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Very clear. Adam understood. Adam got the message. One rule. Tree in the center Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that fruit. All the other ones, yes. That one, no. Okay? He had a meeting with Eve. Called Eve over and said, okay, here's the deal. That one, no. All the other ones, yes. This one, no. Clear, clear. We got it. That's where things get interesting. Sometime later, the serpent was the shrewdest. See what he did there? Of all the wild animals read the stories, right? Of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made, one day he asked the woman, okay, hold on. There's a talking snake in this story. Right? Anybody else getting you caught that detail? Right? Can we just talk about the talking snake? Okay, no, we're not going to get into a, a, you know, a big, long discussion on why the snake is talking. That's not really the important thing. I know snakes are as creepy enough as they are, but a talking snake, that's just over the line. right? I just, no. All right, we'll, don't get caught up on the fact that the snake is talking. We'll talk about that another time. I want you to focus on what is being said and what Eve is hearing and the thought process that follows. One day, he asked the woman, Did God really, I mean, really say that you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees of the garden? And look at what she said in response. Oh, no, 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 no. Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. So, okay, she got the message. She got the memo. But Watch, it's like she took it a step further. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do... You will die. And I'm not sure that's what God said. God didn't say anything about touching it. He just said don't eat from it, right? Now, it's probably a good idea not to touch it if you shouldn't eat it, but he didn't. I mean, here's the point. Time out real quick. We're gonna hit the pause button on the story. We're gonna see something very important we'll come back to later. We see right now in this story, there's some exaggeration going on. It's important. That's kind of how it begins. Exaggeration. Really? 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 Did God really? Come on, any, any? I, I think I heard God say you couldn't eat from any, right? We're going to exaggerate. This, another word for it is called drama. That sound familiar? Because well, I don't exaggerate. Okay, drama, right? Going to the extreme. Oh no, we're not to eat it or touch it. We're not even to touch it. That's not okay. So Eve's getting sucked into this. When when you begin to hear the voice of the serpent, we'll come back to this. When you begin to hear the voice of the serpent. Exaggerate your situation. Exaggerate. That's the beginning of a very slippery slope, as we will see. Let's keep going. The serpent said, you won't die. Oh, no. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Mm, What we have here? This starts with exaggeration, and then it goes to lies and a lack of trust. This is what we see in the story. But it's interesting because their story is our story. So you might begin to pick up on, I mean, because look, look, you won't die. I mean, that's a lie. When God said you're gonna die, you're gonna experience something called death, which is new to them. They'd never experienced this before. And now, and now the serpent, right, the voice of the serpent is saying, no, 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 you won't, you won't. No, nah, no, nah, you won't die. You won't die. And in, fact, in fact, your eyes are gonna be opened. Now that wasn't a lie, that was a half-truth. Because as we will see in a moment, their eyes were indeed open, but not like they thought and not like they hoped and not like the serpent was telling them it would be. Because mistruths are just as damaging. Half-truths are just as damaging as mistruths. Half-truths are just as damaging as lies. And now look at this. God knows, God knows that you're gonna be like him. That's why he doesn't want you to eat this, because you're going to be like him. God is holding out on you. So now there's a lack of trust that Eve has beginning to experience in regards to God. God's holding out on me. How dare God do that? I mean, that's not, I mean, you put this tree in the middle of the garden. I mean, it's right there in the middle. We have to walk by it all the time. I mean, it's right in the middle. It's not like over in the corner where we could just ignore it. No, it's right in the middle. Why'd you put it in the middle? It's like you wrote it in our face. You don't want us to know what you know, God. You're holding out on me. Lack of trust. Let's go back into the story. The woman wasn't out. She was convinced. She saw the truth beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Now what we have is something called selfish desire, which last week, if you remember how we ended the series on sin, that's where sin comes from, within, within. Our own desires. Because she said, oh, no, it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful and it's delicious. I mean, it's gorgeous. I mean, this is just the prettiest fruit I've ever seen. And I can just smell it. I mean, it just looks like it would be good to eat. And I can't imagine that God wouldn't want me to have what I really want. I mean, I think God would want me to be happy. I think God would want me to be fulfilled in life. I think, sound familiar, anybody? Anybody? heard this before i i can't imagine that god wouldn't want me to have what i want to have i mean i think you know after all i mean if god didn't want us to have it why did he make it why did he put it in the middle and make it so purdy and so and smell so good and oh it's just i can oh yeah oh yeah plus this is god must be holding i must have misheard because i think god's holding out on me anyway yeah it's delicious it looked beautiful and i i want to be wise i want the wisdom. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve to know. I deserve to know. Watch. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. Wait, wait, wait. Adam was there? Adam was there the whole time. So the serpent and Eve have been having this conversation back and forth. And Adam's been saying nothing. Just like a silent accomplice. I mean, which is a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. I'm like, dude, speak up. Come on. So he was with her, gave the fruit to him, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, but not like they thought. And here we have sin for the very first time. Sin. Yeah, their eyes were opened, but not like they thought. Now they see, know, and feel what God never wanted them to see, know, and feel, what God never intended for them to see, know, and feel. That's why the tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There were some things God was trying to protect them from that in their selfish desire, they thought they knew better. So now they took matters into their own hands, and here we have them with eyes now opened, experiencing things that their heavenly father never wanted them to experience. Have you had that experience? You know what that may be like? Yeah, all too often. You see, that's what sin does. It opens your eyes to things that your heavenly father desperately tried to protect you from. Never wanted you to see it. Never wanted you to know it. You were not supposed to feel that. That was not part of the plan. And here we are. And the story goes on. They felt shame. They realized they were naked. So they went and hid from God. God comes looking for them, not because God doesn't know where they are, but God wants to have a conversation with them so to help them to discover where they are in this story. And so when God shows up, looks to Adam and says, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Now he knew. He just wanted Adam to be aware the man replied, it was the woman you gave me. Look at that. It wasn't just like, it hurt. It's like, the one you gave me is really your fault, God. You gave her to me. You got, I was sleeping. I fell asleep. I woke up. My side was hurting. There was this woman. I'm like, yeah, baby. And then, But now, she was like, eat this. And I don't know what to do. And so I ate. it. And then, <laughs> what are you do? <laughs> at least that's the way I see it. And I ate it. It was a woman. And look what, look what he says. God turns his attention to her and says, hey, now, what have you done? And she said, the serpent. It was the serpent. It was him. It was him. Like Adam said it was a woman. The woman says, it was a serpent. And that's why I ate it. And now what we have here is you will see this. You will recognize this. It's called blame. Excuses. It's what follows sin. Right? It, it, it was a woman. It, it, it was a serpent. Sound familiar? I was a victim. I was taken advantage of. It's not really my fault. You don't understand the situation. It, it was the environment. It was the environment that I was I mean, it was brought up in. It, it was systemic. It was, it was just, it's just a part of my culture, and I just, I couldn't help it. There was, blame and excuses and blame and excuses. Yeah, all oh, It sounds familiar. Why does it sound familiar? Here's why it sounds familiar. Their story is our story. This is not just about what happened back then. This is about what happens over and over and over and over again, and all too often in your life, in my life, and in our lives. So I got a question for you at this point. How do I see Adam and Eve in me? How do you see? Adam and Eve in you. Ask yourself, how do I see Adam and Eve in me? Because see, there's a pattern here. There's a pattern, how the evil one works. It's not new, really. I mean, new technology, new tools, new gadgets and gadgets and gizmos and new stuff and all that kind of stuff and culture changes, but really, it's pretty basic. The same process that we just witnessed duplicates itself over and over and over and over and over again in my life and your life and in our lives. The voice of the serpent still speaks in the same way. It really has no new tricks. It's just the same ones over and over and over again because they work. It begins with exaggeration. Oh, you know it. You know it, right? And maybe some of you are there right now. This is never going to get better for you. It's always going to be this way. You're the only one that's going through this. Nobody gets it. Nobody understands and your friends are telling you, I bet this and I bet that. And the voice of the serpent appears in all kinds of different ways. Exaggeration. It's always going to be this way. It's never going to change. And no one knows. Yeah. You'd be surprised how often you look at your own life and you exaggerate. You exaggerate. Maybe some of you are doing it right now. Now, if, it, there's a lot of self-talk here, so you don't see it as exaggerating. You see it as venting. You see it as, oh, no, that's just reality. It's just the way it is. No, really? Really? Because then, after exaggeration, you get into the lies that we believe. If you could look back in the, un, <laughs> the unwise decisions, the sinful decisions maybe that we've made in our past, And if you could do a deep dive into those moments, I guarantee you, at some point, you would trace it back to a lie that you believed. A lie that you believed. That it would be okay. That there's no other way. There was just this one time. Because they said, and they didn't. Or because they did, and they didn't. And you assumed, but you shouldn't, a lie. Or a half-truth. A partial truth. And then when you begin to buy into the lies, you begin to experience what Eve did. It's just, I don't know if I can trust God now. I mean, God was holding out on me. I'm not really sure if I can trust that God's best for my relationships is God's best, is, is what's best for me. I mean, I know what the Bible says. I know that's in the Bible and all, but I'm just not sure that that's very relevant to my life in the 21st century. And I'm not sure if I can trust that. Because it's just not working for me. It just doesn't seem like it's going to work for me. And maybe you look at your relationships and you're going, yeah, my experience is a little different. I know it's in the Bible, but the Bible is really an old book. And that was an old time and, you know, and all those kinds of things. And I'm just not really sure if that works for me. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, I know God loves me. I love Jesus down on the cross to pay for my sins. And I'm so, I, I love that. But, but all this other stuff, I'm not quite sure. I'm not. And so I'm not sure I can trust God's principles. To, to really guide my life. I'm not sure if that's God's best for my relationship, for my marriage. I'm not sure if that's God's best for my finances. I don't know if that'll work for me. I know it works for somebody, some people, and they give, and you know, God blesses them. But, you know, not me. I'm still struggling. It, evidently, that don't work for me. So I don't know if I can trust that. I'm not sure if I can trust God's principles for my life with my health, with my children, with my job. I know, I know, I know what's in the Bible. I know. Lack of trust. And then you get selfish. So since, since, you can't trust, and you may not come around and say it like that, but since you've convinced yourself, I can't trust, that God's way is what's best. Then you get, well, well I'm just gonna call the shots then. Well, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I'm gonna do what I feel like I need to do for me. Nobody knows better than myself. And I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of take this next step and do what I see fit and do what I feel is best. After all, it's what I deserve. It's what I deserve. It's what I got coming. I've earned it. Nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody gets it. And evidently God has overlooked the fact that I really got this coming. And so I deserve to have this. I deserve to experience this. I deserve to feel this, don't I? Don't I? So I'll just do it. And you experience the walking away from God's best sin. Sin where we dis-God, we disregard God, we disobey God, we disrespect God without even realizing maybe that's what we're doing and we give in to the selfish desires. Oh, and then here comes the blame game, right? It's the, it's the same pattern, guys, it's the same pattern. The blaming and excuses. But you don't understand my situation. You don't understand what I've been through. It's, it's really not my fault. Anyway, if they hadn't have done this, then I wouldn't have had to do this. If she hadn't have said, and if they hadn't have said, and if they hadn't have treated me like this, and if they hadn't have done that, or if they would have, then I wouldn't be forced to. I had no choice, after all. And we blame and excuses. It was my husband. It was my wife. It were my. It was my kids. It was my boss. It was my coworker. It was my neighbor. It was, right? It was a woman. It was the serpent. I mean, we just keep. It was the dog. blame and excuse, blame and excuse, blame and excuse. We live in a victimized culture. So it's real easy for us to get sucked up into that victimized culture and just to think we're victims. See, that's what happens. Same pattern, same process. Their story is our story. Their story is your story. You're somewhere in this pattern with something right now in your life and you owe it to yourself to recognize it and to call it what it is and to address it. Before the slope slides you all the way to the end, it's a slippery thing. Maybe you're just exaggerating right now and you've convinced yourself, and other people have convinced you. And the voice of the serpent, you're hearing it through your friends, girl, and dude, let me tell you. And and like, you know, your mama's telling you, and you know your mama wants what's best, so you can just do what your mama, you know, all this kind of stuff. Or maybe you've bought into the lies and now you're just. You wouldn't say you don't trust God, but you really don't trust God. And now you're just gonna call your own way. And maybe you've already done it, and now you're in the blame, excusing. Now you're rationalizing, you're rationalizing. You're trying to make sense of it in your head to make, you, you know, make yourself feel better. And, and, and. Hmm. How do you see Adam and Eve in you? Now, I could stop right there and let us all just leave on a very depressive note. But let's not do that. Because thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Thankfully, their story didn't end there. And even more thankfully, our story doesn't end there either. Because you keep reading. And not just there in Genesis, but the whole thing. You follow the whole storyline. You see that God goes into action, purposing a plan to bring everything back to good. That's why it's so important to understand that at the beginning, how God created everything, it was all good. And then it went way off the rails, like it's still going way off the rails. But the mission of God is to bring ultimately everything back to good. And ultimately, He does that through Jesus Christ. That's why what Jesus came to do is called the gospel, which means good news. Called good news for a reason. Because it brings us back to how God originally intended us to live. Yeah. And what's beautiful about this good news is that God, our heavenly Father, enters into our story and helps us and journeys with us and journeys with you, just like he entered into Adam and Eve's story after all of this and into the story of humanity and guided things along through the ups and downs and the ups and downs and the ups and downs and the sin and the consequences and the reality of all of it and brought Jesus to earth at just the right time for Jesus to do what only Jesus could do is give his life as our Savior for us to reconnect us with God and to start something new in the world, something new within us for us to rediscover the good that God intended from the very beginning, Jesus brings us back to that. He will bring us as people back to that and eventually, one day in the future, we'll bring the universe and everything back around to how he originally created it. And that's gonna be great, but we're not there yet because you look around and there's a lot that ain't good and there's a lot in us and around us that ain't good. But it's so important to know that God does not look to you and me and leave us to ourselves. God did not look at Adam and Eve and said, y'all screwed up. Good luck. God doesn't look at you and doesn't look at me and say, you screwed up. You sinners. Good luck. You're on your own. No. Just like he came looking for Adam and Eve, not because he didn't know where they were, but he was pursuing them, and he wanted them to know he was pursuing a relationship with them. Just like he pursued Adam and Eve then, he still pursues us today, and Jesus is proof. God has never stopped pursuing our hearts, pursuing our sinful brokenness. Oh, yeah, I see Adam and Eve in me, you see Adam and even you, but God all along the way pursuing us through Jesus. But let me show you one more thing before we're done. This is beautiful. To me, this is the poetic justice. This is just uh, however you want to say it the crescendo, the climactic moment. This is just so great how all this is going to come back around because of Jesus. Paul in the first century wrote something to a group of Christians that I believe that if he was standing on the stage today telling the story, he would remind us of. This is something you and I need to understand. And what he was doing is he compared and contrasted Adam and what happened with Adam and Jesus and what Jesus did. What Adam did and what Jesus did. Here's what Paul said. For this one man, Adam, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. That's what we, you know, he did it, we do it. Not just Adam's fault. We do what he did. His story is our story. Okay, we got that. That's what Adam did. And that was a big deal. That was a big deal. But even greater, a bigger deal, is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. What was that about? Well, here it is. For all who receive it, trust it, rely on it, depend on it, faith in it, will live in triumph over sin and death, what Adam did, what we do, live in triumph over it, through this one man, Jesus Christ. And in a lot of theological circles, this passage, Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. So what Adam did, what Adam did, the first Adam, what what he did was big, bad, and a mess. Evidence, we still do it. It's a ripple effect, we keep perpetuating it. But Jesus did, what Jesus did was greater, was stronger, was bigger, was more powerful than what Adam did. And so you got this one man that did this. Look at all the problems. You got Jesus, the God man, who did what no one else could do. And the answer for what Adam did is what Jesus did. The answer to what Adam did and you and I still do is what Jesus did once for all for everyone. And that, my friends, is why we should trust and follow Jesus. Not just Not just, I'm I'm talking about way back in Sunday school, praying praying a magic prayer Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Nothing wrong with all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about today, every day. Let me put it to you like this two questions. We've seen this one How do I see Adam and Eve in me? Here's the bigger question How am I looking to Jesus? In the areas of my life where I see Adam and Eve in me. How am I looking to Jesus? Hmm. Oh, that we would begin our days looking to Jesus. Wouldn't it be incredible if we could get into the rhythm of ending our days looking to what Jesus has done? And Wouldn't it be even better if we would just live all throughout the day looking To Jesus, help me. I see Adam and Eve in me. I'm I'm, I'm buying into the exaggeration. I'm beginning to believe the lies. I'm beginning to distrust you. Now I'm feeling selfish. I'm I'm right here and I'm I'm making those choices. And now I'm blaming other, other people for my own decisions. I need a savior. See, we don't just need a savior. We're little kids praying a prayer. One day go to heaven when we die in Sunday school. We need a Savior every day of our lives. You'll never outgrow your need for a Savior. And so for those of you who know the story, for those of you who said, well, yeah, I prayed that prayer. For those of you, you need to know you have Adam and Eve still at work within you. So you still need what only the Savior can bring. Where do you see Adam and Eve at work? It's so important. On the bad days when you're stressed out and confused and worn out, be careful, but even on the good days, when you think everything's fine and you're just walking through the garden, just minding your own business, la 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 la, you never know when the voice of the serpent is going to start talking and catch you by surprise, you always need a savior. Not so that we just don't sin, but so that we can experience God's best, which brings us all the way back around to the good that God intended for us from the very beginning through Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we need this one. May we rescue this story from the flannel graph moments of just Sunday school stories of days gone by. And may we see the reality of this story at work in our lives. I see Adam and Eve in me. We see Adam and Eve in us. Which just reiterates our need for a Savior every day. We need your strength. We need your help to not buy into the exaggeration, to not believe the lies of the serpent, to not Distrust you when you only want our best for you and we think we know better and we get selfish and disobedient and then we blame everybody else. Lord, help us. Help us look to what only Jesus can do, what only Jesus can bring. We need a Savior for those in this room that for the first time they see how all this fits together. May they embrace Jesus as Savior for the very first time and for all the others who know the information, who believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins and all of that wonderful good news. May we not just see it as a decision we made in the past, as a point of reference for the past. It is an everyday reality, an everyday part of our journey. We still need saving from this process, from ourselves, from the world around us. So Father, we look to you. We trust you. And we thank you for what Jesus has done. We look forward to the day that we fully get to experience the good as you originally intended it inside of us in the work of new creation that you're doing within us. And ultimately one day, when you make all things new and we see the universe as you originally intended it. We trust to that day in Jesus' name, amen.